So this time of year, this marks actually the eighth anniversary from the, the beginning of IBC BI. And God's just been really faithful to us over the years. Even during these past couple of years, it's been difficult. It's been really difficult. Uh, and uh, we just have not had the same uh, ability to gather. And we've not had the same ability to be sending people out and welcoming new people. Uh, that was one of the reasons that we um, started to do this a few years ago to just to preach to our core values in uh, September, October, because we tended to see a lot of new people come in around uh, in July, maybe, and in August, if they were going to international schools, the new school year got started, and they came in, and they got established, and maybe they started to join us for worship at IBCBI, and so we wanted to just remind ourselves, and we wanted to let new people know, this is what we stand for, this is who we are, this is what we're about, and this is what we're trying to accomplish, this is what we feel like God's asked us to do as a faith family here in uh, JB. The, the, the team that got together in those uh, early days in uh, really from the end of 2012 into the uh, middle part of 2013, when we were just uh, either cleaning the building or we were having Bible studies, no one on that team had ever planted a church before. And so we got together and we would spend time just praying and talking about what should the church look like? What are the things that we want to really be known for? What are the things that we feel like we have to do? Because we came from different cultural backgrounds and we came from different church backgrounds. And uh, there are times where um, that we do things in church that are just cultural things that we do uh, in church. They're just, they're like that. They're traditional. Uh, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're not bad. They're not good necessarily. They're just things that we do. But we wanted to try to recognize where are the differences between things that we can do in church and things that we must do in church? What are the things that really are demanded by scripture. And we tried to set ourselves out to do the things that are demanded by scripture. We want the church to be known for that. And we have some liberty to do other things, right? To have donuts and coffee and uh, different kinds of things of Bible studies and um, whatnot that met in various locations. There were a lot of ways that we could be flexible based on our congregation, based on our community. And then as the congregation changed, as the community changed, then we, we've changed some of those things uh, over the course of those few years that we've been here. We believe though that our reliance on scripture, that our reliance on prayer and worship, that our reliance on a unity, even though we're a lot different, it's very uh, easy for us to come in and be offended sometimes just because our cultures are so different. Some places we don't speak quite as directly and uh, other places we feel like it's pretty rude to not just speak your mind. And so we, we talked about how important Christian unity was gonna be for us. We talked about how important it was gonna be to grow in our faith. Uh, year after year, not just to be stagnant and kind of going through the same process every year, but really to be growing in our faith. And we talked about, for our church in particular, how important it was going to be to be a sending church, because we always were sending people back, whether that was to Indonesia or to Singapore, whether it was uh, back to India after a contract finished or was back to the West somewhere in Africa or in Australia. There just have been people that are constantly coming and constantly going over these past years. Names that I would recognize that you may not recognize. And now there are names that you recognize that uh, I wouldn't recognize. And so it's, it's a constantly changing congregation. And so we, we recognize that we were going to be uh, an always sending type of people. To that list, of course, is our core value that we're looking at today. It's, it's gospel for all, gospel for all. 
And you might think that the gospel is it's such an, an understood part of the church that you don't need to put it in the core values. But the truth is, it's, it's not always the case. There are lots of churches, and here I might even use air quotes, there are lots of churches that are around that uh, the gospel is not even preached in those churches and many other places where the people profess to be believers, but they don't really believe that uh, a personal understanding and acceptance uh, and belief in the death and burial and resurrection of Christ is important for their spiritual walk. I've been in uh, countries all over the world. We would do a mission trip and go somewhere. And someone, I would say, tell me about yourself and your spiritual life. And they say, oh, I'm a Christian. And I said, oh, tell me about when you became a Christian. And they would say, oh, I've always been a Christian. My family's Christian. And you realize maybe that maybe they just haven't heard it, but there's a good chance that their church is just not sharing the gospel. I met a young man at a coffee shop in JB one day, and uh, he told me he was from uh he was from uh saba i think somewhere and i said oh are you from uh, a christian christian group and he said yeah we're, we're christians and i said can you tell me about the gospel and he said i don't understand what you mean and he said uh so i said well if you have a friend who's not a christian how would they become a christian and he said i don't understand what you mean i was born a christian my whole family's christian and so the idea of being a christian without having been born a christian was not present really in the teaching that this young man had been getting. And so as we look at our core values, um, we come to things like this about the gospel for all. It's not a typical way. We like to pick a passage and go, go kind of verse by verse, or at least look at the whole chapter together or two chapters together and see how the story is unfolding in, uh, in a big context there. But when we do these, it's a little bit different, and so we're going to be a little different today. We're going to be in the very beginning of the Bible, and we're going to be at the very end of the Bible, and we're going to stop a couple of places along the way, but I want us to see two main things today as we're looking at the scripture, and these two things are the gospel is for uh, all kinds of people. The gospel is for all kinds of people, and the gospel is necessary for every single person, okay? The gospel is for all, and by gospel for all, we mean it's for all kinds of people, and we mean it's for every single people, every single person, because there's a, a vastness in the way that we can talk about the gospel. And there's also a very personal way that we talk about the gospel and the way that it needs to be applied as well. Uh, let me just say, too, when uh, especially because we'll have this on, on the Internet, be on YouTube, and who knows how long uh, these kinds of things will stay around. These, there's some thoughts that uh, when I think about evangelism and I think about the gospel, these are things that I've been reading and thinking about and trying to practice for uh, 25 years, probably. And so I'm sure that many of these thoughts are not my own original thoughts. Uh, these are things that I've learned and they have impacted me and I've internalized. Sometimes I'll come back to an old book and I'll read it and I think, oh, that's where I learned this. It just becomes such a part of me that I, lots of times I can't remember where I first heard these kinds of things. So uh, if, if as we're going through, you hear something that sounds familiar, it's because you've heard it somewhere else. Someone smarter than me probably said it, and uh, I stole it, and then I forgot who it was that said it. Maybe you've heard uh, some of these stories over and over, right? And 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 I think that's probably that's probably okay as well if you heard me say some of these things on multiple occasions. So I don't claim any real originality to some of these thoughts, but I do claim ownership. They've become part of me, and really since the 1990s, this has been stuff I've been thinking about, studying, and, and uh, in some periods really dedicating my life to, and so um, I just want to give you that, uh, that disclaimer, right? If, if you say, hey, I think I heard, I think I heard 
that thought from someone else. You, you probably did hear it from someone else at some point. I, I'm sure I heard it from somebody else at some point as well. So we're going to start uh, at the beginning or nearly at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read a couple of verses there if you want to join me. We're going to read Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. So I'll give you just a second to find that. So Genesis 12, 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. So that you will be, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Then verse three says, I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When I think about my life in Kentucky as a kid growing up and when I see kind of some of the things that happen around me now, I ask myself sometimes, how in the world did I get 15,000 kilometers from home for so, so long. And it's because of verses like these in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord speaks clearly to Abram and he tells him to go, tells him to go. And then the Lord promises to bless him. And then the Lord says, through you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I will promise you, and I really, I think it's true. When I read these verses and when I've heard these verses preached, I didn't ever take God's word to Abram to be a specific call on my life, right? I didn't take those words he said to Abram and say, oh, those are actually words that are also meant for me. I, I think sometimes that's an okay way to look if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart that way. But I did look at those kinds of verses and I did find a place where I could be used as part of this process of the promise being fulfilled. God gave a promise to Abram go, I'm going to bless you. And then through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. And so uh, I, I thought God can use me in that process. He can use my family in that process. As the gospel goes out around the world to different places where Abram never traveled, then uh, I can be part of that kind of um, carrying the good news to all kinds of places. Let's jump all the way to the very end now, to Revelation chapter 7. So we're going from Genesis 12 all the way to the end to Revelation chapter 7. And then in verse 9, I'm going to read verse uh, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, where it says this. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we get this, this glimpse into heaven, and who, who knows how far in the future this is for us, but a glimpse into heaven where we have the fulfillment of the promise of Abram. So God gave Abram a promise. And then here at the, end of the, at the end of the Bible, we see that promise fulfilled. All of the families of the earth have been blessed because of uh, Abram's faith. And every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation are gathered there and they are worshiping together. So the promise given and then we have the promise realized. But what about all of that space 
in between? How do we get from the promise to the fulfillment? And I believe that's where you and I can come in. I think that's part of the reason that the church exists is to make this glorious truth known that God loves you personally and that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship not only with you, but with your people. God wants to have a relationship with you and with your people. We can look uh, at one place this happened historically, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to stay in Acts chapter 2 for just a few minutes. So we won't, we won't jump around too much more than this. So if you want to go to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided, uh, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I think that this uh, text obviously is uh, one that people love to point out. And we talk about miracles and tongues and those kinds of things. But for our focus today, I really want us to notice that this marks a real difference in the way that God is interacting with people, right? Jesus came and he did miracles and he lived a sinless life and he was arrested and he was tried. He was crucified. He was buried. And then he was raised again. And once he was raised again, he ascended back into heaven and he made a promise that a helper was going to come when he was gone. And the helper did come here in Acts chapter two. We see that. We also see that in the Old Testament, the uh, the people of Israel had just tremendous kinds of uh, ups and downs and part of that, right? They would sometimes be carried off into captivity. And so the people end up being just scattered throughout really the known world at the time. There were just Jews in almost every corner of every country. There were always Jews in those places. We also know from the law that those Jews were supposed to make, supposed to make uh, pilgrimages back to Jerusalem at certain times during the year. So these people who had been scattered out, maybe they were born in Babylon, they lived their whole life in Babylon, or they were born in uh, Ethiopia, and they lived their whole life in Ethiopia. They were born somewhere else in Asia Minor, and they lived their whole life in Asia Minor. But at certain points, they were supposed to be coming back from Mesopotamia, and from Cappadocia, and from Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and all these places that the, uh, the scripture talks about in a couple of minutes. So they were supposed to go to Jerusalem, but here what we see in uh, Acts chapter 2 is the paradigm for the church moving forward is not for everyone to come to us, it's to go to them. And this is a complete change from what the, New, the Old Testament had been about a come. If you want to come, you have to make certain modifications to your body and you have to make certain modifications to what you eat and certain modifications to the kind of clothes that you wear. You probably wanted to be studying uh, in uh, Hebrew or at least in Aramaic and trying to understand these uh, things that were being taught in the synagogues and all those kinds of things. You wanted to interact with it in its original language. But here in the New Testament, that paradigm becomes 
go out, go, go into all of the world, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And one of the most important places I think that we see this is in the language. They didn't have to come and, uh, and hear Aramaic to be able to understand what was being preached that day. While they were preaching, while they were sharing, it says that each person was hearing it in their own language. Actually, in verses, I'll read verse six again, but I'll read seven and eight as well. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are these not, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? The gospel was going to people in a way that they could finally really understand. They're hearing it for the first time, but this is a completely different way for them to be interacting with God. There are still places today that people are being told, if you want to become a believer, then you need to change your clothes. You need to change the language that you, that you speak. You need to change the places that you go. You have to change, 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 because we need you to come to us, right? You have to come to us. You have to come to our temple. Or you have to come to our mosque. You have to come even to our church sometimes. You, you have to change and become like us. And once you become like us, then you can be part of this community. But that's not the picture that we're seeing here. Instead, we're seeing people being sent out. They don't have to change all of these things. This is the reason that you see missionaries from all over the world leave their home, learn a new language, adopt a new culture. They do it because that's the example that Jesus gave them. The reason that a Chinese business person moves their family to Pakistan to share the gospel and they learn to speak Urdu or they learn to speak a language there in Pakistan. They move into Afghanistan and they learn to speak the local language. They learn to, uh, to, uh, to try to be culturally appropriate with all the customs and all of those kinds of things. And that's because we're, we're going out so that we can try to get the gospel to people in a way that they can understand. That's what Jesus did. He left heaven. He came to earth. He took on a body like ours. And he's asking us to make some modifications sometimes to our life to go and do the same, to leave the 99 and to go after the one. Everybody needs to encounter the gospel in a way that they can hear and understand so that they can believe it. They need to be able to hear it and understand it so that they can believe it. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we're supposed to be trying to do. Strip away our own culture, strip away our traditions, get rid of some of these language barriers and other kinds of things that come into play. And we're supposed to just be ready to get the gospel to every person in the world because every person in the world needs to hear it. But of course, you and I, we can't reach everyone, can we? But we, we can reach someone. We can't reach everyone, but we can reach someone. And so part of our job as uh, believers carrying the gospel to all is to teach other people to continue to do the things that we are doing. That's why we would, from the very beginning of IBCBI, we would, we would think, you led this person to the Lord, you baptized them, because you won't always be in this church. You won't always have me. You won't always have uh, Anthony or Mike or Derek or Sam or these different people who have come along through the years. You won't always have someone else to do this kind of thing for you. And so if you're in a place where there's not someone to do it, you can do it because you're a believer. You're part of the body of Christ. You can do these things. We try to teach the people that we reach. We disciple them so that they can reach people and they can teach them to continue that process as it goes down the line. That's why the church exists. 
the gospel is for all, but it's it's not just it's not just for them to come to us, right? We can hang a sign out and we can open up the door, but lots of people uh, can't come. They don't have the ability to, right? They could be in trouble or they could have some sort of difficulty or they don't have transport or there's a million other reasons. They, they don't speak the right language for our service or any of those kinds of things. So we go out and we find those people and that's always been the plan. Another thing that was important for us as we started uh, IBCBI was the belief that all kinds of people, not just every individual, but also all kinds of people need to hear the gospel as well, in many places in the world today, including Malaysia, including in Malaysia, there exist uh, cultural and spiritual and even legal restrictions on who can hear the gospel. That's true in lots of countries. There are, there are restrictions on who can hear the gospel. I've been in multiple countries in my life where people who would profess to follow Christ would say, I'm not allowed to share the gospel with that person. And I always thought that was just a Curious thing to say, you're, you're not allowed. Who, who said you're not allowed to? The Lord told you that you need to. So who was it that told you that you're not allowed to? And uh, I mean, I know the answer to that, but it's, it's the, the, the village head or it's the Ketua Kampung, right? It's the Pa'erte. It's someone that's, uh, that's, that's in the community. Maybe it's the government. Uh, maybe it's someone's parents who are saying, hey, don't talk to my kids about this. Don't talk to, don't talk to your friends about this. It could be uh, any number of kinds of uh, authority figures, but uh, when a Christian says, well, I I'm going to believe in Jesus, but when Jesus gives me something to do, I'm going to refuse to do it and instead listen to a lesser authority, then I think we have to, have to ask some questions about that. We know that there uh, really are um, situations where there's anger and it's justified. There's real justification for past anger that uh, people don't have equal opportunities, that uh, kids can't get into the same schools, that uh, certain people receive benefits and privileges that other people don't do. There have been physical hurts sometimes, right? People are chased out of certain situations or their businesses are closed down or any of these kinds of things. Sometimes there's actual physical persecution, not just uh, someone speaking bad about you, but sometimes they'll say, oh, that person's a Christian. No one, no one is to shop in their store. No one is to sell them any goods. Sometimes the persecution is even physical. Sometimes it's just, uh, it's just horrific to hear about. They cost people their lives sometimes. And I'm not at all trying to downplay the, the difficulty or the danger of taking the gospel to people who do not want to receive it. But we have a command from God and we have a promise from God that uh, overrides some of those concerns. The way we get to this end times vision in Revelation chapter 7 of every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation is that we carry the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation. We have to ask ourselves if we, if we claim to be followers of Christ, but we disobey the things that he tells us to do, where's the disconnect? And how is that happening? In Romans chapter 10, these are verses that you'll be really familiar with. Romans 10, I want to read a couple of verses for you from there. Verse 14 says, how will they call on him uh, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Then down in verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. All kinds of people need to hear the gospel. We, we believe that in our very core as a church. 
So I've talked with Christians about sharing Jesus, and there have been times, right? This is outside Malaysia, but honestly, it's happened in Malaysia as well. But the instance I'm thinking of is outside Malaysia. I'll talk to a, a, a person, a believer, a Christian that's in one group, maybe it's a different ethnic group or from a different city or any of those kinds of things, and they'll just say, I hate those other people. I'll hate those other people. I really, I literally had someone tell me one time, those people can just go to hell. That's what they deserve. I'm not taking the gospel to those people. I want them to go to hell. They deserve it. And the truth is they do deserve it. But the truth is also, I deserved it. I deserved it. And yet Christ came and he saved me. Even though I was not worth saving, he still came and he saved me. He still sent someone who cared enough to share Jesus with me. So all kinds of people need to hear the gospel. Individuals needed in order to be saved. I was at a church in uh, JB. This has been, I don't it's been a long time ago, 10, over 10 years ago, I guess. And we were coming to the end of a service. It wasn't IBCBI, it was another local church. And we were coming to the end of the service and there was, uh, you know, a time for a prayer request. And uh, I remember a guy saying that I have uh, my father's, my father's sick. He's really near the point of death. And uh, he just said, would you pray, would you, would you pray for my dad? And the church, of course, prayed for uh, his dad. And at the end of the service, I just went to him and said, I would be happy to come and share Christ with your dad. And, and he said, well, he, he doesn't speak English. And I said, well, um, I, you could translate or I could come and I could share in Bahasa. And if he speaks Bahasa, then we can, we can try to accomplish it that way. And and, and he just said to me, my, my siblings are all Buddhists. They don't like the idea of somebody sharing a Jesus with my dad. I just don't think it would be, uh, I just don't think that would be a good idea. And the only thing that I could really uh, take away from that was that the man didn't really believe that his father was separated from Christ. He didn't really believe that. The man claimed to be a Christian. He was there asking for Christians to pray for his dad, but he was living like there was some other way for his dad to get to heaven than through Christ. But we're not going to share the gospel with him. That would upset people. If we really, really believe that our friends and our family members of our neighbors, our colleagues, they really need to, need, need to hear the gospel in order to escape hell, it demands something out of our lives. It demands some degree of change in us. It's, it's easy to believe us that there's some other way uh but it's just not biblical to believe that i had a good friend uh in jb for a long time a, a chinese guy and, um when we first started to talk about these things we were going to church together and we would talk about these things and he would say well i don't think that this is really true that people have to hear the gospel because if that's true then my grandparents are in hell because no one ever came and shared the gospel with them and I just remember that being one of the most challenging conversations and really one of the most challenging kind of situations to help a friend sort of walk through is that if people don't hear the gospel, then they're not saved. And the gospel is for, it's for everyone. And that guy was a professional guy. He moved from uh, thinking, well, God's going to work it out for people who don't have a chance to hear to becoming uh, a leader in his church. And he was you know, praying with people in his business, and he was able to make some real kingdom impact. It's challenging. I mean, the truth is, it's challenging to share our faith and to talk about Christ. I don't know about you, but I didn't believe the gospel the first time somebody shared it with me. I, I was, 
hard-headed and I was hard-hearted. I rejected. I made fun of people. I would just be mocking about things. I, I was kind of cruel to people sometimes when they would try to talk to me about it. I wasn't ever physically violent with anybody, but uh, I, was a, I was just a real jerk. I could be hateful and degrading about these things. But God still loved me. And he was faithful to send people so that I could really understand it. So I could really hear it and I could understand it and be changed by it. He was loving me, right? That's what Romans 5, 8 says. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while I was still a sinner, Christ was loving me. And the truth is, he's still doing that now, right? He's still loving people who are uh, not yet Christians. And in the same way that people were sharing with me, and later on I became a believer, there are people out there who are ready to believe once they actually hear the gospel. They can be changed by it. He's still loving sinners. He died for us, and uh, he died for those people too. And so we need to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel so that later on we can be together in that choir there in Revelation chapter 7, worshiping the Lamb of God together. So we think at the very core of who we are, that the gospel is for all, it's for all kinds of people, and it's for every single individual person that we see when we're uh, in City Square or we're hanging out on, you know, one of these crowded malls, if, if crowded malls ever get to be a thing again. It's just a core of who we are as a church. Typically, after this amount of time, right, I would have some uh, application there. I would try to think, here are two or three or four things that we can do to practically obey this passage today, but I, I just don't, I don't have them for you today. Here's what, here's what I have. I have a voice. It's a voice that you're familiar with. It comes uh, right out of Isaiah chapter six, and this is what that voice says. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for the picture that we have uh, in the scripture. And I'm just, even as I've been thinking about this this week, I think about conversations that I had there in the building at IBCBI where someone would come and say, we're not allowed to share the gospel with, and then they would fill in a blank with whatever type of person or background or whatever. And I'm so grateful that we have the picture of your apostles in Acts chapter 4 and in Acts chapter 5 when they were told specifically, you are not to be doing this. And they said, far be it from us to obey man rather than God. And I pray that you would help us to be people who are uh, obedient to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who love those who are uh, around us, that we would be loving toward our neighbor. And as we love them, that we would be willing to share Christ with them. Lord, I, I don't advocate at all for us to be people who are just uh, leaving tracks everywhere and beating people over the head with the gospel. But Lord, would you give us opportunity, relationships? Would you give us a real heart desire for the people that we see every day? We go to the same fruit people over and over. We go to the same barber uh, or the same beautician, the, the same salon over and over and over. We see the same kinds of people at the at the tailor shop or the dry cleaner or any of these kinds of places at the hardware store. So Lord, with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with our friends, with our family members, would you give us opportunities to pray with them, to be uh, loving toward them and encouraging? And then would you give us opportunities to share the truth about the gospel, what it's done in our lives, 
and what it can do in their lives as well. Thank you for the promise that uh, you gave to Abram and for the part that we play in this in-between time. And Lord, how we look, uh, look forward to being together with you and uh, with these believers, Lord, these believers that are on the video now, these believers maybe that are watching later uh, on the recording, these believers, Lord, even that we're speaking of that have not even come to faith yet. We just look forward to the day that we'll worship together, saying worthy is the lamb who was slain. We, uh, we do thank you for your blood, for your body, Lord, for the hope that we have in Christ alone. We trust it, and we don't trust anything else. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.